When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Like a Raven. I've tried a few new intros every week in terms of tone because every time I do it, the Ravens win yet another game. So I will keep doing that until the Ravens win. Coming off of another victory, this time the 20-17 win against previously 10-1 San Francisco 49ers. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined across the studio by Tim Horsey. Tim Attendee of the game, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, I'm drying off finally. I have to say, if you have to change the intro every single time, you're gonna end up sounding like Ron Burgundy with the teleprompter. Welcome to Pod Like a Raven, like a question mark on it. Um, but hey, if it helps the Ravens keep winning, we're both a little bit superstitious, I'd say. I'm all for it, and I'm doing, I'm doing wonderful. I have no other words to describe my feelings about this Baltimore Ravens team. So can't wait to talk about this with you, my friend. I would introduce our West Coast correspondent, Jace Evans, but once again, unfortunately, Jace's uh, travel schedule, he's a West Coast guy, you know, those guys move all over all over the country. His travel schedule has prevented him from being able to join us, but we missed Jace for two weeks, so we have a few clips from him that we got uh, earlier today that we're going to insert into this podcast, just getting his take about uh, the 49ers game, little opinion on the Bills game, and yes... We got What's Bothering Jace from Jace Evans this week, and it's a pretty good one. So let's get into this victory that Tim was at in the rain, in the wind, in the cold, and yet the Ravens persevere in a close game for the first time in a long time with the Justin Tucker game winner, 20-17, to the Ravens 10-2, the official number one seed in the AFC Tim, finally, we have a few more 
there's more of a balance between the good, bad, and ugly because it was a, a tight game against a tough opponent, but what are some of the things that you like from this game? Yeah, sure. It's not going to be just a love fest this time because there's there's certain things to talk about. There are, there are things that are concerning. I think the overall statement here is, first of all, the weather did not affect the quality of the game, uh, which I was... I was kind of excited when it was raining, not as an attendee, uh, because I didn't feel like getting soaked for three hours, but it was nice to um, know that we thought we had a, the advantage running the football. We'll get into how both teams ran it relatively well, I would say. That's some Ravens good, some Ravens bad, maybe even some ugly, according to, uh, I know Jace Evans, a little spoiler there for his takes, but it was nice to see a, a high quality game against a legit opponent. This is not a... They were not 10 and one before this as a fluke, a very, very good 49ers team. And the Ravens, maybe not having their best day. We're not starting with the Lamar love show, uh, kind of struggled a little bit, but the positive of that is he came out with the win, made the plays when he had to, uh, we'll talk about later in the game, later in the podcast and some of the most important things they did there. But I think my overall, and this sounds a little general, but it's nice to a team that frankly, was coasting for a couple of weeks, had a tough opponent, had a hard game, faced a lot of adversity, and had the mental toughness and the strength to come out with that and be victorious at the bank. You talk about adversity, 49ers score a touchdown on the first drive of the game, which was the recipe seemingly for the Ravens to win all the game, all the games that they won by 20, 30, 40, 50 points, and not actually 50, but close to it. And then the Ravens punted on their first drive, and suddenly, oh no, is this the, the struggle game? Is this where it all comes apart? It's all going to crumble. And then the defense was the first unit to really make a play and force the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, fumble, which seems like it could come on every other pass play for him. He's got really sk seemingly skittish feet and uh, hangs around and moves around in the pocket way too long. But anyway, the Ravens forced the fumble, get the ball back in excellent field position score immediately all of a sudden it's seven seven and you've got a dogfight between these two teams I want to I want to touch back on Lamar Jackson he finished the day 14 of 23 for 105 passing yards he did have the one touchdown on the ground 16 carries 101 yards so as you mentioned a game that he struggled in but also made made some good passes in those 14 out of 23 what'd you think of his performance taking in some of the bad you know obviously it's not not an all-star game for him yeah first of all I mean and w because this performance was a little up and down we're going to mix in some of the bad with it as well he missed some throws um you can blame it on the weather you can blame it on the ball being slick because of all the rain that's fine the fact of the matter is either way he missed some throws he became very reliant on his tight ends uh, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst both finished with three catches Everybody else on the or everybody else here on this stat sheet finished with one outside of Mark Ingram, who finished with two, but only had three yards there. Uh, Nick Boyle, one of those guys who had one reception. So seven of the 14 receptions went to tight ends. I mean, it was a very much kind of a dink and dunk game. Uh, the Andrews touchdown pass, the first touchdown pass was pretty. Um, I thought, you know, live in the stadium, I thought he sailed it a bit, but Andrews went up and high pointed it and did what you had to do. The thing that Lamar did, and I know I think based on our, our pregame prep here, I think we might have a little bit of a debate on this. The run pass option, I thought, worked very, very well. Uh, Mark Ingram, only 59 yards, but that's because Lamar Jackson carried it 16 times in this game. He seemed to pull it out of the belly of the running back a lot, and that was because 
Bosa and a lot of these aggressive 49ers defensive linemen, like we talked about last week, up the field, attacking the ball carrier. And it, I mean, I don't know why they didn't prep for the RPO. It seems like they had no solution to it early. Kept crashing in four, five, six different times, crashing in on the running back to allow Jackson to get to the outside. He finished with 101 yards rushing. Uh, the only quarterback of, in NFL history to have four 100 rushing yard games in a single season. Uh, very impressive for him. And made the plays when they had to. Um, another positive, too, if we're going to get to the offense a little bit. Uh, and again, there's not like a million things we have to point out. So maybe this is stretching a little bit, but I love the confidence and how this is a four down team. You look at it, it's almost it, it was kind of a novelty early in the year. Remember against Kansas City? We're like, oh, my God. Harbaugh is just going for it on all these fourth downs because he thinks he has to win the game here. He thinks he has to score as many points as possible to keep up with the Chiefs. Right. That was about to say that that Chiefs game specifically is where that that came up more than more than two or three times. Sure. But now it's almost it's the norm with this team. Uh, They're very, very aggressive. They're very confident in their offense. Um, I thought the offensive line did well as well. A quick look here for the San Francisco defense. Only two quarterback hits. Only one sack. For the team that led the NFL in sacks before this, again, giving up 178 yards rushing. Um, The unit was consistent, even if their quarterback was a little bit off. And so when that happens, especially for a young guy, remember, MVP front runner, all this stuff, all the praise we can heap on him. Even when he has a little bit of an off game, it's nice that you can rely on that running game and your offensive line to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, you look at the other side of it, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not a running quarterback. He's a throwing only quarterback. And even he only went 15 of 21 for 165 yards. It's an ugly game. A lot of drops, a lot of slipping and sliding all over the field. Uh, But Jackson unable to make enough plays to move the chains, get first downs, get some points. In that first half, I agree with you that the run pass option was working brilliantly. San Francisco truly looked like they had never seen it before. And often overplaying the running back. And just letting Lamar take that edge, and there was nobody around him for five to ten yards. So in the even though the score was pretty close, you know they had that fourteen-seven lead. Uh, you end up going into halftime. I believe it was they were up by a field goal. Was it seventeen fourteen? I believe at halftime. Seventeen uh, fourteen, Baltimore. Yes. So it felt maybe better than I should have. I sort of felt like the Ravens were in control. They were getting the ball to start the second half. Here's where they take control, and that's exactly what they did. They start that soul-crushing drive. I have the the yardage up because it was impressive while it lasted. The plays were a gain of nine, all on the ground, by the way. Uh, Nine yards, 10 yards, 13 yards, two yards, seven yards, and then a Jackson 14-yard square. They were just easily going back down the field, and I was pretty prepared for this is the touchdown. It takes them five, six minutes, and all of a sudden they're up 10, and, and San Francisco's crawling trying to try to get back into the game. And that's when the game sort of turned on its head with a really good strip of Lamar. He did not see it coming. And it, not only did the ball just sort of squirt on the field, but it went right into the arms of the defender. And all of a sudden the game has turned on that play. Yeah, it could be over-optimistic for me too. Um, I credit the defense more for that one. Um, again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the weather the whole game. It might have been a little bit slippery. You saw in the replay, Lamar, obviously he's one of those guys always frustrated with himself when he makes a mistake or doesn't make the perfect play. He's kind of looking at his forearm like it was right there. How did he get that? A beautiful play by Marcel Harris, the cornerback. Um, that, I, 
That's one of the best strips, uh, forced fumbles, I should say, that I've ever seen. Uh, they took it, scooped it right out of his hand and took it right from him. I have a feeling knocking on the studio table that we're here today, that that's a thing that he's going to learn from. You know, we talked about, and we haven't talked about him in a few weeks, and I don't want to bring it up all the time, Joey Flacco never learned from the backside pressure and the the forced fumble coming from that weak side rusher. Never learned from it. Lamar strikes me as a guy who he's like, all right, that happened once. I'm going to make sure it never happens again. Tuck the ball to your outside. When you're running down the left, put it in your left hand rather than your right. Uh, because it makes it much easier for the cornerback to make the play, which he did. And you're right. It became kind of, you, you say it was an ugly game and I'm with you. You know, there obviously it wasn't pristine offensive juggernauts going at it. Uh, both quarterbacks struggling a little bit. Defense is playing relatively well, only six combined points in the second half, but I just thought it was a really well executed game. Um, before we get to the defense and special teams, cause I have, I have, Nothing but praise for the most part for those two units. Got to give a shout out to this offensive line one more time, because guess what? We talked about against the LA Rams, the two-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald was held to one tackle. Well, all I've heard is that Nick Bosa is a machine. A lot of it coming out of my own mouth. All I've heard is that this guy might be better than his brother, already one of the premier rushers in the NFL. Uh, Let's see. Hmm, Let me look at these. One tackle. No quarterback hits. No rushes. No sacks, just one tackle. Again, that whole defensive line is a great unit, but that guy is, to me, the standout. And really nice job to to key on him. I know he plays on the outside. should mention rookie center, Pat McCarry again. Another great performance, just another plug-and-play guy. Great job by this Ravens uh, organization, bringing in the depth and that, uh, the, and that talent that you need when injuries come to a guy like Matt Sakura, who was brilliant to start the year. So overall, I mean, the offensive line, I thought, played very, very well. Yeah, you, you talk about Bill Belichick's claim to fame as taking out the best thing the other team does. This is back-to-back weeks now where the Ravens have just completely stymied the best defender of the team that they're facing, which is one, two of the best defenders in the NFL. The other note about, about the fumble of Lamar Jackson, it's his first lost fumble of the season. That's crazy. And this is for a guy that basically plays quarterback and running back at the same time. So, you know, we'll take it. It's okay. You're right. I think you will learn from it. And, uh, it, it wasn't even a thing where he didn't see the guy come. He has so much awareness. If you think about him in the pocket, how many times this season has he not sensed somebody coming behind him? I can't think of any occasion. This was just one of those sort of lo- almost lucky. It's a good play, but it was also a lucky play and that the timing and the, the m- momentum of the two bodies just worked out perfectly for him to lose that ball. I don't think it's going to happen again uh, in, in quite that quite that way. Let's turn another positive to the special teams. I know you want to give a shout out to the special teams. Uh, first of all, yeah, I'm one a guy who is a great defender, was tied with the team lead in tackles but made a huge play on special teams, and that's Marlon Humphrey. And if you don't think he blocked that kick, look at his Twitter, and he said he blocked that kick, and I believe Marlon Humphrey. And it looked like it from where we when we were at. We were lined up basically perpendicular to the kicker, and you could kind of see that thing just wobble out. And I was like, there's no way Gold just missed it that badly. And it was short. Like, way like short. seven yards. Way short, yeah. yeah. Um, a great play by him. He joked that, he got a good jump, but he he popped up. And as like a sprinter, you're not supposed to pop up out of your stance. You're supposed to stay low. But he still got there anyway. Good job by Marlon there. And then showing the speed. A huge play in a tight game like that. Those are the plays. that It's those plays and the mistakes that make the difference against good teams. 
Um, and also, I got to give a shout out. My man DeAnthony Thomas did pretty well. Um, only one punt return and two kick returns, but averaged 17 yards on the kick returns, 18 yards on his one punt return. Um, held on to the football, which I was getting yelled at by the guy next to me, uh, a good friend of mine, Larry Davis, who I every time they went to kick it to him, I said, just hold on to the ball. And he's looking at me like, I just need some positivity. I was like, I just want him to hold on to the ball. It's raining. Do you see this? Um, but it, But again, outside of all that, those are kind of the flashy plays. The plays that don't get talked about enough, and if you've ever listened to Ravens wrap up way back in the day from college, I made the joke, maybe it was a joke, Sam Cook, best player in the league. A beautiful punt and an even better play by a guy, Chris Moore. Does it, He's a wide receiver, fourth-round pick out of Cincinnati a couple years ago. Does not get the time on offense. But you know what? He knows he can make a difference somewhere else. I don't think he has a future on any sort of NFL offense, to be fair. But maybe as a special teamer, he thinks that's the way I'm going to make my paycheck. Sprints down the field. It looks like the ball's going into the end zone. He makes a beautiful play, gets his toes just outside of the goal line, and throws it up to Anthony Levine Sr., who gets it at the one-yard line. That drive for the Niners after that only lasted about seven plays, 31 yards. They were forced to punt it. That's the type of stuff. That's the little things that make the difference, and that's what a well-coached team does against a premier opponent, having the hustle and the heart on those type of plays, I thought was just absolutely brilliant. The the downing the ball at the one and then the DeAnthony Thomas 18-yard punt return were on back-to-back possessions and just completely flipped the field position in both ways. And in a game in a game that's 17 to 17 when not a lot of points are being scored and when there's 6 points scored total in the second half, your special teams will win you the game without scoring, without making, you know, the spectacular plays, but but these game-changing plays that Moore got some credit, and I'm glad that he did because he should have, and it's good to see a guy who sort of hasn't seen as much time on offense as I know he would like sort of get the recognition and, and have the opportunity to make a big big play in special teams. Yeah, it's, it's just good for a guy that he didn't put his head down. You know, he didn't get discouraged. He said, this is how I'm going to make my contribution to this team, and it was a it's one of the biggest, probably one of the top five most important plays in that game. Now, do we want to switch uh, to the defense here? Do we want to oh, go into of some course. of the bad stuff? I'll, I'll leave you. I tell you what, we'll leave you. We're going to leave Tim Horsey twenty minutes here to talk about the good things with the defense. Talk about defense, baby! I love that this defense is kind of back to what it was. Sort of, it's not bad anymore. That's the best part. I just, I, I'm, we're not going to go twenty minutes here. I just want to highlight a couple guys that I thought were really impressive. Uh, Josh Bynes again. In the middle, I thought was very, very good at the linebacker position. LJ Fort made some great plays. Earl Thomas showed up, made some key tackles when he had to. That's why we pay him. Chris Wormley, kind of a reserve guy, or not a reserve guy, but one of the starters you don't think about. You know, in a couple years, you'll forget that he was a starter for this Ravens defense if he's not there anymore. He makes the tip play on the fourth and one. That's on Big Worm, as they call him, in the locker room. Great for him. But one guy I have to shout out, man, and I was singing his praises the entire game, sitting there acting like a lunatic every time number 36 made a play is Chuck Clark. I cannot say enough about this guy. He's going to be a fantastic. Actually, I would say he's going to be a fantastic uh, random Raven in years down the line on Pod Like a Raven. But I think this guy is good enough that he's going to cement himself for a while in this Ravens defense. When you have a guy who was third string to start the year, you have Tony Jefferson, big money, strong safety coming in a couple years ago. 
He unfortunately gets hurt. Then Deshaun Elliott, who everyone tells me in preseason is the guy. He's going to be the next guy in the secondary. He's always the training camp kid. And he played pretty well. He unfortunately got hurt the season or the game after that, after Tony Jefferson. It's up to Chuck Clark. The defense is in turmoil. At that moment in time, we're talking about Josh Bynes, the guy who made the tackle in in the Super Bowl in 2012 on the final punt to the San Francisco 49ers to win us the Super Bowl, but never really played on defense. He's going to be the guy to solve it. LJ who? LJ who? Chuck Clark? Who are we talking about with these guys that they're bringing in on this defensive side? Chuck Clark has been nothing short of spectacular for this Ravens defense, and he is the guy with the green dot. I cannot emphasize it enough. It's not your middle linebacker calling your plays. It's not your Earl Thomas calling your plays. It's Chuck Clark. There was apparently a story that when they signed Earl Thomas, he one of his first practices, he went over to Chuck Clark and said, why did they sign me when they already have you on the roster? It's that type of guy. It's another just diamond in the rough guy that the Ravens have found. And I think he's going to be a stalwart on this Ravens defense for a long time. So yeah, maybe not the full defensive section. This is more the Chuck Clark section, the Chuck Clark appreciation, Chuck Clark fan club. I'm starting it right now on pod like a Raven. If you'd like to jump on the bandwagon early. I mean, you, you said it all really. I'm looking at the second half, that. the second half here, the 49ers, <laughs> Tim, I don't know if you have the possessions in front of you, but if you had to guess, how many times did the 49ers get the ball in the second half? I would say, oh, man, that was already like two or three beers in. Um, Four. Three possessions. Okay. They had three possessions in the entire second half, and that's testament to the offense, first of all. But field goal, punt, and downs. Those are all three possessions. That was the entire second half for the 49ers where they only scored three points. George Kittle, a guy who could have, should have been a problem for the Ravens in this game. The best tight end in the NFL right I'd now? I'd say, yep. Two catches for 17 yards. And really all they kept, all the announcers kept talking about was how well he was blocking because he wasn't in the, the passing game. I'll take that. If George Kittle is blocking well downfield, I'd rather have that than uh, George Kittle is streaking downfield with the ball in his hand. The one thing that did not go so well, I would say, is the rush defense. Raheem Mostert? Mostert? Mustard? I, be- I believe Mostert. I like, I like <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Actually, watching NFL Countdown today prepping for this, uh, Chris Berman, a classic Colonel Mostert. Of course. With the candlestick. I'm going to call him Raheem Spicy Mustard. All right, that works. He had 19 carries for 146 yards. Average seven yards a carry with a touchdown. He was tough to bring down all day. It sort of started to look like uh, the tackling of, of old against the Browns. So many missed tackles. Is that because of the rain? Is that because it was a sloppy, not a sloppy game, but sloppy conditions? And are the Ravens going to tune this up? Or is this, oh no, they're sort of back to their poor tackling ways? I tell you what, looking at it now, the Ravens now sit 25th in total yards given up on the ground this season. And you saw it today. The Shanahans, and we talked about this, the Shanahans have kind of built their legacy around running the football. And when Mike and now Kyle, who, by the way, Kyle then got cute in the second half, much like he did in the Super Bowl when they lost, uh, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. Then they lost to the New England Patriots. I thought in a little bit of the second half, they got cute. They got away from running the football, which is what they were so successful on the rest of this game. But that's that's another point. The Niners podcast can deal with that because I'd be infuriated if I was them uh, today recording this. But I think you talk about George Kittle 
And he's one of the best, if not the best tight end in the NFL for a reason. He's not only super athletic. He's not only a matchup nightmare for both linebackers, corners and safeties uh, in the passing game, but he's an incredible blocker. He's very, very good at setting the edge. And what the Shanahan's do, there's a lot of RPO with the Ravens. There's a lot of misdirection. The Shanahan run scheme has that, but it's all based out of the zone running scheme where they're running to the outside. They try and set the edge. It's one cut, boom, up the field. They were finding holes all over this Ravens defense, apart because their offensive line and Kittle, who you could basically just consider another offensive lineman the way he was blocking on Sunday, um, were incredible. But it's something that worries me a little bit, but doesn't worry me as much because the Niners are so good at this. They were coming in the number two rush offense in the NFL behind the Baltimore Ravens uh, coming into Sunday's game. And it showed, I mean, 146 yards on 19 carries, 7.7 yards per carry with a touchdown there for Raheem Colonel Mustard. And it's a little bit concerning. I think that the, the overall stats stats matter now that we're so deep in the season being 25th and total yards allowed in the run game is a bit of a concern, but it's not something that I'm pulling my hair out. I should say, you know, the, the key to this Ravens off this Ravens team, I should say is getting ahead early. And if you're going to run the ball on us, fine, we already have a lead on you. You burn that clock. That's okay. We're going to put it in your quarterback's hand and make them beat us. And for the most part, They've been very successful at that, obviously, at 10 and 2. But uh, I, I guess something to look for. But because Shanahan and the Niners are so good at it, I wouldn't consider it a massive concern. No. One of those things, one of those drives in the second half was a 14 play, eight yard drive that they only got three points out of. So we were, we, <laughs> we're going to fix this by scoring more in other games. But you're absolutely right. Against a 10 and 1 team, something is going to give. You're going to give up some sort of yardage, some sort of points to a team that, that's, that, that is that good. Um, but they were at least able to contain it specifically in the second half and still come out with the victory. Some other things that I didn't like, I'm going to quickly touch on a few things here. Hollywood Brown, did, I didn't even see him on yep. the field. I mean, he had the one, he had like a, if it was a screen or some little one yard pass that they gave him. And then that was it. Uh, Lamar, not really hitting a lot with the wide receivers uh, on Sunday. Again, it's a good defense. Maybe that, you know, if, it's the rain again. Like he's not looking to throw to the sidelines. He's looking at the tight ends. Not a lot of offense uh, from the wide receivers. We hope that improves in the next few weeks because you're going to need that in the postseason, and you're going to need Hollywood in the postseason to to stretch the field. We talked about this a little bit already, but I'm slightly more concerned, I think, than Tim about how good the 49ers looked against the RPO in the last 20 minutes of the game. Uh, the carries went from seven, eight, nine yards a pop to two, three, four yards a pop. And I'm afraid other teams are going to see this film and sort of figure it out. But again, it's one of the best teams at stopping the run, if not the best team at stopping the run. So I'm going to wait for the next Ravens opponents to get that personnel and then play it as well as the 49ers did. Yeah, quickly, I'm just, I'm looking back and trying to think back to the game. I wonder how much Roman saw it was working and kept everything else in his back pocket of, we're not going to do anything crazy here. You know, the, the weather is bad. We don't want to try crazy trick plays or different sort of complicated blocking schemes or whatever it is, because it did seem like a lot of the same kind of in the pistol or in the shotgun with the running back right next to me, RPO type stuff. And 
usually you build off that and form offense around that with different types of schemes and plays. We weren't seeing a lot of that, and maybe that was part of the reason they figured it out. Um, the counter to that is why wouldn't you pull it out against one of your best opponents? Maybe you're trying to hide it, knowing that ten and three, or excuse me, nine and three at the time would have been okay. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, I we we will see. We'll see who's right going down the line. Certainly, hope I hope it's me and not you uh, for for the Ravens' sake. But um, for me, I'm not too too concerned. Um, a couple other things I didn't like talking about that run pass option. Lamar got a little greedy with it, and this is where I will agree with you. It seemed like he was running it perfectly, and then. They kept crashing, they kept crashing, and when they made the adjustments late in the game to not always crash, he still was taking it out of the belly of the running back. This on the final drive, where they lost three yards to make it first and 13, when he could have just put it up the gut for, at minimum, a no gain, then they run the clock all the way out. Thank God Justin Tucker is the GOAT, hits it from 49. Uh, we were sitting there with with the friends we were watching the game with just in the stands, and the people behind us were like, why are they not trying to get more yards right now? What is going on? I know it's a 49-yard kick, but he, for his standards, hasn't been impeccable this year, and it's terrible conditions, and the Niners have a decent special teams. They could maybe block this kick. What are we doing? What are we doing? To quote Taylor Twelman for all you soccer fans out there. Um that was concerning, but has a good that we haven't mentioned yet. Almost 30 minutes into this podcast is Justin Tucker is the goat and slam the kick home. But the play calling up to that was suspect at best. Yeah, I can't I can't decide between. You know how much faith they have in Tucker that that's how they were going to play out the game or that they messed up how they played out the game and that they should have gotten much closer to, you know, Maybe a 40-yard field goal instead of a 49-yard field goal. Tucker bailed him out, I think, is the case. And he drilled it. Yeah, he did. And he drilled it. Oof. Uh, I don't know if you want to go through a, the last few things that that you have uh, in terms of the ugly, and then I'm going to toss to you. Well, I'll tell you what. Give me your last few points about bad, ugly things that we're not going to see ever again from these Ravens. Yeah, too quick. Yeah, I uh, hope so. <laughs> uh, quickly, I don't know what pass interference is anymore, um, and I don't know who the referee is. I don't care to know. I know his face. Um, and I hope he never refs a Baltimore Ravens game again. Cause he's one of those guys that he doesn't, I actually never was a fan of hockey Lee when he was in the league at hockey Lee, but he explained the calls he was making. And I appreciated that. Even if I disagreed the pass interference where they decked Andrews and I can't remember who the player was for the 49ers. They deck Andrews. The guy is barely making a play on the ball. Even if he is advantage goes to the offense. They don't give it to him. Harbaugh, who knows these don't get overturned, had said it before, said, this is so egregious that I'm going to just try it anyway. He throws the flag. The guy comes out. He's looking at it. The guy comes out, just goes, call stands, fourth down. And it's almost like nervous to get away from the mic because he knows he's dead wrong and he just wants to protect whatever little pride he has left in his life. The other thing, too, Marcus Peters is allergic to tackling. And that could be an issue going down the stretch. He actually ended up getting benched in the second half in their base defense when they had two corners out. It was Humphrey and Jimmy Smith the rest of the time because they kept running outside and you need a guy that can tackle there. And boy, Peters is you talk about Ole defense. He would just let him run right by because he did not want to get hit. So that's one of the negatives. I mean, that we we've talked about he's kind of a boomer bust guy so far. It's been a lot of boom, but that tackling can be a bust and Let's see if Harbaugh makes the adjustments and is quick to pull him, especially on a team that is very successful running the football. My glass half full to that. Not that I agree with myself here, but 
you have a Jimmy Smith who you can bring in. Absolutely. Not a lot of teams have that guy as the third corner that they can bring into that spot when you need a better tackler as opposed to a better coverage guy. All right. We're going to move on in, in a second here, but uh, the Ravens officially, I guess technically the Bills count as this, but I don't want to put them in that category. The Ravens now through the gauntlet of the regular season, six games, five of them against five of the best 10 teams in the NFL, won all of them. Tim, what what lovely numbers do you have? What stat man numbers do you have to give us? Oh, man, before we get to our stat man, we miss him dearly. He will be back next week. Yeah, like you said, 6-0 and in this stretch. Uh, Seahawks, Pats, Bengals, Texans, Rams, 49ers. A point differential of 143. In six games. To the Ravens, plus 14 for the Seahawks, plus 17 Pats, plus 36 to the Bengals, plus 34 to the Texans. The biggest one, plus 39 to the Rams, and then plus three, obviously, to the 49ers. And also, the NFC West is probably one of the best divisions in football. Well, the Ravens just swept it. That includes a 10-2 49ers team, a 9-2 Seahawks team, and a soon-to-be 7-5 Rams team. Excuse this. I took this tweet when they were winning that game. So now a 7-5 Rams team. Uh, the Ravens have outscored those four NFC West sides 118 to 56. So showing the dominance like we've talked about <laughs> weeks and weeks and weeks, it seems like now, but also grinding out wins when they have to. Incredibly impressive when when you li- listen back to the old podcast uh, preseason preview or ta- early in the season, we're talking about this is the stretch. This is where they have to prove themselves. They not only prove themselves, they went undefeated. Incredible by the Baltimore Ravens. It's December now. Time for that home stretch. Just a couple of more games to go to solidify the number one seed in the AFC. Before we move to the AFC North, Jace, let's get your thoughts on uh, on the 49ers-Ravens game. The pros are the Ravens beat one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, San Francisco 49ers come in at 10-1, and one, and the Ravens, um, you know, I've gotten used to uh, kind of these stress-free uh, victories. Ravens hadn't... Uh, um, or every win, rather, by the Ravens had been by at least 14 points for a full month and a half. So that was nice. Um, so definitely a lot more stressed out, I'll admit, and I'm sure Tim will help me on this. Uh, there were a few moments of me losing the faith in the group chat. But while as stressful as that game was on Sunday, I think it is in many ways way more valuable than even some of the games we've seen the last several weeks. The Ravens were forced to play a close game, and I think more importantly showed they can win a game when they are not at their best. Um, I guess in terms of the bad, uh, Lamar, not exactly his most uh, scintillating day throwing the ball, uh, 105 yards. But I will say at the end of the game, you know, when they had you know chance to win, tie game, they held the ball for the last six minutes of the game, and they drove right down. And, of course, Justin Tucker, that goes in the good. goes without saying, best kicker in the NFL. Uh, best kicker of all time. Nailed it. Absolutely be- uh, beautiful. But Lamar was not at, at his best, but still made enough big plays in key moments. Um, the 49ers run uh, game um, really carved up the Ravens in this game. Uh, that probably actually even falls in the ugly category for me. Um, but, again, more good. Ravens got to stop uh, when they needed him. Most importantly, Chris Warmly uh, batting down Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, Fourth down try late in the game in which the Ravens then never gave the ball back up. Kicked the game-winning field goal. Um, So I think all in all, uh, the Niners showed they're a very good team. They came in with the number two running game behind the Ravens. 
and they put that on display. Um, they were able to keep uh, Lamar Jackson clean. We had talked about their uh, pass rush being a concern, um, and I was very impressed with the offensive line, especially with uh, Matt Skura going down and uh, Patrick McCarry stepping in full-time. Um, so I think there's just so many positive takeaways for the Ravens, despite an ugly game, rough weather, um, and uh, despite all that, they overcame it, and they got the victory, and now are in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the AFC. Let's turn quickly now to the AFC North, where one team we can finally talk about briefly because they managed to win a game. But the other two teams first, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, played each other, canceled each other out. As we've been saying the last few weeks, they end up splitting. Pittsburgh wins at home, beats Cleveland. Pittsburgh looking like they're going to sneak into a wild card seed. They're now 7-5. and five. I don't like Mike Tomlin. I got to give him a lot of credit. They have no they have nobody left on that team and they're still grinding out wins. No Roethlisberger, no Juju Smith-Schuster, no Antonio Brown. Mason Rudolph was benched and yet they're still winning games. They got Duck Hodges at quarterback and they're beating what was supposed to be the you know the Cinderella team of the AFC and the Browns. Pittsburgh 7 and 5, Cleveland officially out of any sort of last second chance that they could uh, sneak a playoff berth? First of all, no, 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 no. Let's not rewrite history here. Cinderella, they were supposed to go to the Super Bowl. They were supposed to be America's team. They were supposed to be the team that everybody fell in love with, with all their superstars. They were going to run the table in the AFC North. You don't love Cinderella? No. I mean, she's fine. But, like, this was supposed to be the glitz and glam of the NFL, the premier team in brown and orange. Get out of here, Cleveland. I'm done talking about them. You know what? I, from this point forward, I'm talking more about the Cincinnati <laughs> oh, no. Bengals than I am the Cleveland Browns. Browns are out. It's the same <laughs> crap every day. Freddie Kitchens, a couple days before the game, pictured at a movie theater wearing the Pittsburgh Started It t-shirt as the head coach of your franchise after one of the one of the more deplorable acts we've seen on a football field in the last couple of years. It's a joke. I'm done with Cleveland. Let's move to Pittsburgh. I hate to say this. I respect him. I don't like him like you said. Mike Tomlin, probably the coach of the year with what they've done, especially if they get into the playoffs. Duck Hodges, 14 to 21, 212 and a tutty. Also had an interception, but only sacked one time. Um, getting it done on the ground with guys like Benny Snell Jr., who I can say I've never heard of, and Jalen Samuels. Uh, James Washington showed up with a couple big catches in this game, and their defense is their defense. Um their defense is what key, is keeping them in games and in this playoff hunt. I mean, if the playoffs started today, they're in the playoffs. And I tell you what, just because of his recent history, probably a team I don't want to face. Well, I shouldn't say recent history, just my entire life history with the Steelers, a team I probably wouldn't want to face even with Duck Hodges. Um, so I'm not going to say credit to them because this is a Ravens podcast, but what they're doing there is is pretty remarkable we'll see uh, and we'll talk about the rest of the nfl in a bit i think there's some teams that could pip them uh for that wild card spot but you know they they don't have too many tough games left i can't get over devlin hodges beating anybody in the playoffs i i sort of welcome them and i welcome them i don't think they can beat anybody but i welcome them upsetting a team in the first rounds so that the ravens can take on hodges in the second round of the, of the afc playoffs when you know the ravens have a bye but the Browns, how is this team not scoring any points? I don't understand. In this game against the Steelers, Odell Beckham Jr. 
is probably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL, if not in the top two or three. He had three catches for 29 yards. Force him the ball. I, I mean, <laughs> I feel like they don't make him a part of the offense as much as they should. They look for him downfield. They don't try to get screens and slants and these sort of these easy catches early. I remember these in sort of in the old days, these announcers used to always say, well, you know, first quarter, you want to get the guy involved. You want to get the ball in his hand so he gets the feel and then start stretching the field with him when he's comfortable. They have not done that with him all season. It's going to end up being a really, really down year for him. Baker Mayfield, 18 of 32 for less than 200 yards passing. I, Nick Chubb, he killed us. <laughs> 16 carries, 58 yards. There's just nothing that pops there against a good Steelers defense, but not, you know, world-beating, not amazing. Cleveland down most of this game and end, end of the game scoring 13 points. It's just bizarre to me. It seemed like a year where they were going to have to outscore teams in order to win football games and they're losing these games because they can't score so they're out five and seven i don't i'm not i agree with tim we can't talk about you anymore sorry guys yeah i officially say done done cleveland goodbye the last team in the afc north that we touched on gosh tim welcome back <laughs> the cincinnati Bengals. you know they really wanted a victory so what did they do they brought in the old the old rocket Andy Dalton, back from the dead after his three-game benchings so that they could give Ryan Finley a chance to prove himself in the NFL for 180 minutes. And then enough of that idea, actually. Let's bring in Andy Dalton, bring him back. And he won a game. And they're now no longer undefeated. Looked pretty good, actually. Faced the New York football Jets in a game where I talked about this briefly, the Jets won one game by a lot of points, and all of a sudden they were favored on the road, and they immediately lost that game. Well, you didn't hear Sam Darnold said they were going to run the table and make the playoffs, so of course they were favored. They, they, I think they had ripped off three straight and had a big win uh, against Oakland, a team traveling to the East. And yeah, I mean, the, the Jets... I'm actually, I found out on Sunday that I'll be going to that Thursday night game against the New York Jets, and I'm very excited to uh, see the ghosts in person from Sam Darnold. Uh, yeah, shortly, just shouts out Cincinnati. I, it's weird. I, here, I'll talk about you. Here it comes. Get ready for that Wow, zero wow. Cincinnati fans that listen to this podcast. Um, weird just bringing back Dalton, but also I wouldn't wish 0-16 on anybody except the New England Patriots for the next 20 years. Um, I think that's just a crappy feeling for a fan base. So it's good to get a win. And hey, look on the bright side. They still are in line for the number one pick too. They didn't screw up their tanking and they got a victory. And it was at home. Great job, Cincinnati. I hope you enjoy, enjoy Joe Burrow. At this point, you pull Dalton right back out. Right? Right? You, don't you, have have, you don't have him start another game for the rest of the season. You've got your dub. You're no longer that horrible own 16 team. Get Finley back out there and, and see what he can do and, and really lock down that number one pick in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to say, see what he can do. Get you the number one pick. Another game in the NFL that happened on Sunday, the Los Angeles Chargers. I wish I had Jace to talk about this because he would sell this way better than I can, but the Los Angeles Chargers find another way to lose a football game. They played the Denver Broncos. They tied the game 20-20. to with less than a minute left. On an incredible catch by Mike Williams, by the way. Deep pass, gunslinger Phillip Rivers just rips it down the left side of the field, 
And Mike Williams turns around and just grabs it one-handed basically against the defender right on that line, like that red line they put out for the field goal kicker. An incredible catch. But then continue, because what happens? Well, there's 14 seconds left in the game. It's now tied. You know, you do the squib kick, you get a kneel down, and the game goes to overtime. Not if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. The Broncos had the ball at first down and 10 at their own 28-yard line just after a regular kick return. They threw a ball just as far as they possibly could downfield, and the Chargers commit pass interference with three seconds left. With the Broncos now in field goal range, they bring out Brandon McManus, kicks the 53-yarder. Game ends. Broncos win. Congratulations, Chargers. You're 4-8. I'd feel less bad if they didn't knock the Ravens out of the postseason last year. So this is your this is your your Lamar Jackson curse. Yeah. Uh, you now go 4-8 and eight and literally rewrite the book in terms of how to win, how to lose football games. And by the way, the seventh quarterback or something crazy in the last two seasons for the Broncos that they've had. Drew Locke, the rookie, comes in out of Missouri. Missouri. He's finally healthy. And the Broncos are third in that division now. After starting, I believe, 0-5. They are now four and eight. The Chargers are last in four and eight, obviously, with a, some of the tiebreakers there, uh, moving the Broncos up to third. So good job. Drew Locke from admittedly the extended highlights I saw looked like he's got something. You know, we'll see. But it's nice for Denver to maybe have, you know, after bringing out the bag of bones that was Joe Flacco and looking like there was no future there. Nice to see a guy that p- potentially could be there for a couple of years. So good, good on Denver there. Another game I've been really waiting 40 minutes to bring up. The New England Patriots, unfortunately, lost at the Houston Texans 28-22 in a game that was not really that close. Patriots with a couple of, I'll call them garbage time touchdowns late in the game. The Patriots now 10-2, now the number two seed. Now only a game ahead of the Buffalo Bills. In the AFC East, I have a few things to say here. First of all, thank you to the Texans. I've been riding you all year, and you finally delivered in a game that really mattered. Uh, you're going to cover the over. Uh, first of all, I've been saying that for about two months, but you're now going to make it. Good on you guys. You took care of a team that the Ravens really needed to lose. Tim, is it possible that the Pats, who, by the way, cannot move the football down the field. If you double Edelman, they cannot move the football down the field. Is it possible that the Patriots, who face the Chiefs next week and still have to play the Buffalo Bills, end up as a wild card coming out of the AFC East and get overtaken by the Buffalo Bills? No. I hate to, I hate to ruin your fun here. By the way, I watched all of this game to the point where it was over. Essentially, I know we had a couple of garbage time things at the end. And I was like, "Ah, I should turn this off, try and get some sleep. You know, Monday's coming out after the long weekend, the Thanksgiving Day weekend. I couldn't turn it off because it was a dumpster fire from the New England Patriots. Brady screaming at his receivers that aren't named Julian Edelman. Romeo Cornell just said, yeah, I'm just going to double him. You figure it out from there. And guess what? They couldn't figure it out. Sony Michelle, or excuse me, James White, the running back, Led the team in receptions with eight for 98 yards. Julian Edelman, six for 106. But after that, nobody else had over three. Two guys had three with Sanu, who 
three catches, 14 yards. That doesn't do anything for you. They looked inept the entire game. And then this vaunted Patriots defense, Antonio, credit to you. You've been on the Texans, and you've been saying the Patriots are frauds. And guess what? Deshaun Watson, man, 18 to 25, 234, three touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins with technically a touchdown pass on one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Go up and look. Just look up Houston Texans, New England Patriots trick play. I'm not going to do it justice by trying to explain it to you. It was like a double handoff option that ended up being a forward pass that ended up with Deshaun Watson in the end zone. It's like your classic no, 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 yes. Yeah, very, very Billick. No, 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 yes. The, the, the Brian Billick, the old Ravens coach there, famous for that type of quote. Uh, the Texans, I mean, they brought it, man. DeAndre Hopkins, only five catches for 64 yards, but always like we talked about when when the Ravens played him, seems to get that third and six when they need it um, and also is the deep threat. The defense, too, man, a couple guys showing up. Uh, Jacob Martin, who was the guy they got in the clowny trade from Seattle, constant pressure all night, only one and a half sacks, but it, it, he seemed like he was in the backfield for most of the night there um, against this offensive line. that have The New England offensive line have gotten some of their guys back, and they're still struggling to protect the passer. And Brady just can't move anymore. You know, he can sort of shuffle in the pocket still, but then – there's nobody open. And if you have the guys that can cover you know, Muhammad Sanu, Jacoby Myers, and Nikhil Harry, if you double Edelman, you're going to be fine. So I'm not going to say it. You want me to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm think like, I just, I don't want that on my conscience if it turns around and, uh, and the worst happens in the playoffs, but man, this ri- I'm feeling, I'll put it this way. I'm feeling pretty good about where the Baltimore Ravens sit right now. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you. And I'm on, this is the only reason. Even if New England loses to the Chiefs uh, and the Bills, if New England loses both of those games, Buffalo has to beat the Ravens, quite frankly, because they're not going to win a tiebreaker against New England. They've already lost a game to the Pats. The New England has a better... Uh, division record and it's they're not going to catch them in terms of the division record so the bills will not beat the ravens uh that's a little sneak preview for later on in the show so with that i think it's going to be a little bit too much but the pats i don't think they're going to beat the chiefs i think they could struggle against the bills and they're probably going to enter the postseason uh slumping more than they have in other years i I know it's it's sort of a, a popular conversation oh this is the game that the pats lost that means they're terrible this is the second time it's happened in just a few weeks because the other one was against the Ravens, Tim. I don't know if you watched that game. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes. And sandwiched by two games that they could have lost. The Eagles game that they won, ugly game that they won by seven against a terrible Eagles team, and then a four-point win against the Cowboys, who are also terrible. So, Patriots, I got my eyes on you. I've been chasing you all season. Frankly, I hope we play you at home, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit, but have no faith, no faith in the Pats. They've been frauds, and I'll keep saying it. <laughs> until they win the Super Bowl this this year. I want to talk about some playoff scenarios with you, Tim. The AFC, in my opinion, the teams that are going to the playoffs look pretty much set. I think the six that are in there now are going to go to the playoffs. The Pats, the Ravens, the Texans, Chiefs, Bills, and Steelers. You may disagree with me a little bit. Before we even turn to the uh, NFC, you, get, you, you think some other teams may... Uh, they may sneak their way in here. I just want to give a shout out to a team that has been incredibly well since they put in um, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, which is a weird sentence. The Tennessee Titans, who we have kind of joked about on this podcast, is 
why are we talking about them? They don't mean anything. They're kind of fine. They sit at seven and five, right behind the eight and four Texans. I believe those two teams will still have a chance to play each other later in the year. And the Titans are kind of on a roll right now. Maybe Tannehill was just one of those. He's not going to be a superstar, but maybe just needed a change of scenery, guys. So good for him. And I just need to mention a couple things to take the stat man role. Derrick Henry, a monster of a running back, probably one of the most underappreciated players in the NFL. In his last 16 games, so dating back to last season, has over around 1,700 yards and 18 touchdowns. And since 2017, he has averaged over five yards a carry in games after November 10th, which means you don't want to hit the big boy in the cold. That's pretty much what that means. And a guy who, look, I don't necessarily think they would scare me in a wild card situation if they won the wild card game and all of a sudden came to the Ravens. But something to look for. They're a team on a hot streak right now, so I figure we should give them a little credit. Not only do the Titans have another chance to play the Texans before the year's up, they have to play them twice. Oh, wow. And that, I actually think, works against them. They end the season home against the Texans, home against the Saints, and then at the Texans. Easily could be three losses. They probably end up losing two of those three games, uh, and that's not enough to get them into the playoffs when you know the Steelers are just going to do what the Steelers do. Uh, they have the Cardinals coming up next week and then the Jets in there as well. I think those are two wins and, and that may be enough to to get in. But in the NFC, which we don't really talk about a ton, so much is still up for grabs. We have, first of all, the Cowboys and Eagles. One of those teams does have to go to the playoffs, even though neither of them really want to go. One of them has to go. Uh, I have no idea which of those two teams it's going to be. Uh, I think the Cowboys will shoot themselves in the foot less than the Eagles, but I could be proven wrong. Thoughts on the uh, East? Yeah, here's my thought. The NFC East is so bad that the Redskins are technically in it. The Redskins could technically still win the NFC East sitting at three and nine. Cowboys six and six who looked horrible against the Bills on Thanksgiving Day. Thanks for ruining that part of my day, Cowboys. And uh, Eagles five and seven right now. And Carson Wentz, I talked about it last week. Stop going after him and saying he's not the answer. By the way, your savior, Nick Foles, just got benched for Gardner Minshew again. So I don't think he's the guy you want to bring back in. Um, but it's it's atrocious. It is really, really bad. Um, and I still, and I've kind of been on him all season, and I guess I'm just going to die on the hill. I think you're right. I think the Eagles will find a way to make it work, even though they've had some pretty serious oh, no, injuries. I'm, I'm Cowboys. Oh, you're I'm Cowboys. The Cowboys are gonna... Then we will disagree here okay. on this podcast. Different, we're different hills. Yes. different hills. <laughs> we'll probably both die, but different hills. Redskins scored uh, like 29 points last week. That was like more than they'd scored in the previous like 10 weeks. Beat the Panthers. <laughs> Good on them. Some other interesting situations, I'll call them that. In the NFC, in the North, the Packers 9-3, and three, the Vikings 8-3 and three, playing right now. I don't know which one of those two teams is going to squeak out. The, the Vikings tend to lose that random game late in the season, and that's sort of what I'm expecting to happen again. Any thoughts on the NFC North? Any picks for, for those two? I mean, look, this one comes down to simply Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins. Um, obviously... We don't have too much to say on the Vikings right now playing as we're recording this game against the Seahawks in a, in a fantastic Monday night football game. I have to say good on your Monday night football. Um, but I think that Aaron Rodgers has enough weapons to, if the T, if 
he needs to drag a team to a certain level. He has much more of an ability to do that, even if the Vikings are more talented. That quarterback position is so vital. A guy who can always play in the cold. If they have to go to Green Bay, a dome team like the Vikings, having to play outside in the cold, you're not going to get as much out of Thielen, Diggs, your weapons like that, even Dalvin Cook maybe. So for me, I project the Packers will probably do, probably win out that division but could certainly see the Vikings as a wild card team. And the last situation of note, 49ers with their loss to the Ravens, now 10-2, and two, now only half a game up on the Seahawks, who again are playing right now at 9-2. and two. They could be tied atop the NFC West by the end of this recording, quite frankly. And the Rams still sort of hanging out at 7-5. and five. So that gives us 1, 2, 3, 4, gives us seven teams really fighting for six spots. The Rams on the outside looking in, but... A lot of questions as to who's going to win these divisions, who's going to end up getting wild cards and home field advantage. Uh, The 49ers in the West still have to play the Saints, and the Seahawks have the Vikings tonight and then the Rams. So there are going to be some huge games, some fun games to watch for us, frankly, and some huge games to decide what happens in the NFC. So we're going to wrap up that, and we're going to go to our next segment now that we saved, that we saved for our, our West Coast correspondent. Uh, I did What's Bothering Jace last week, but, you know, it's not quite the same. So we were able to get Jace uh, on the horn for this one. So quickly, what's bothering Jace? Well, here's what's bothering Jace this week. And this might be sacrilege to some of our listeners. We got to get rid of this third game on uh, Thanksgiving Day, the third night game. It's insane. There's no reason for it. Not only is it, was it a terrible game for the most part, other than we were like, oh, are the Falcons going to get a third onside kick? Aside from that, what are we doing here? It was a terrible game, and that made just a dreadful late slate on Sunday. I was uh, watching the Raiders get absolutely run over by the Chiefs to the degree that uh, our local station just dropped that game entirely to watch Chargers-Broncos. Now, you know... I'm going to love every chance I can get to watch Phil Rivers in a, late ga- or, uh, in a close game late, and the Chargers did not disappoint this week. That being said, there has to be a better game than that. It was just basically a four-hour black hole of football uh, after the Ravens game because the NFL put unnecessarily a third game on Thanksgiving. I get why they do it. I hate it. People will probably hate me for it, but it made this Sunday terrible. And that's what's bothering me this week. Wow, what great audio quality, considering that we had Jace calling from a payphone at an airport to a recorder to a computer. And I want to say I vehemently disagree, and it's the worst take we've ever heard on Pod Like a Raven. I need more football on Thanksgiving, not less. My family may disagree, because by the third game, my sister was like, please, please turn this off. But I need more. It helped that I was at the Ravens game. On Sunday, so I wasn't really watching the the late slate live, but he wants less football on Thanksgiving. What are we talking about here? Jace, I love you, but we can debate this next week. But, I mean, uh, just a horrendous take by Mr. Evans. It's like he's not even an American or something like that. I mean, jeez. Does he eat turkey? (laughs) Does he eat turkey on Thanksgiving? I kind of disagree. Unfortunately, I, I disagree with Jace as well, only because, at least for me in my house, Thanksgiving... The party tends to be over by like seven, eight o'clock. So at that point, it's just like, let's watch, uh, let's watch some football. I want to uh, fall asleep. Eat my second helping of Thanksgiving. I was gonna say, I'm shoving more pumpkin pie into my face. I'm feeling really bad about myself. I need some crappy Saints Falcons on the television to make me feel better. 
You know what, Tim? That's why they call it What's Bothering Jace. It's not what's bothering us. It's you know what's, what's, bothering, you know what's Jace. bothering Tim is Jace. Jace is bothering Tim. Next week on What's Bothering Tim, <laughs> it's What's Bothering Jace. All right. Well, Jace, thank you for your uh, for your thoughts. Uh, we, uh, You know what's bothering me, actually? That we haven't had Jace uh, on the show in, in the last couple weeks. Jace, c- come on back uh, as soon as you can. Next segment that we cover here every week is Random Ravens. And I'm looking for it. One man guess once again, but I'm looking forward to uh, Tim's Raven this week. So uh, please be nice because I'm by myself. But uh, who do you got for me? Yeah, I, I tried to, as you did with Jamie Sharper last week, I tried to make it a little more uh, of an obvious guy because you are not uh, Joe you're, Flacco. You're, you're by yourself. Not Joe Flacco. No, Lamar Jackson. No, not him either. So here we go. This random Raven, I think, is a pretty good one. In high school wrestling, oh no, <laughs> I was a three-time state champion from 1993, 94, and 95 in the heavyweight division. I was named Wrestler of the Year by the Daily Oklahoman in 1995. I think you might already have it, but that's fine. I'm a big high school wrestling guy. Yeah, I, Just figured, have, I figured. I've been, been following it since the mid-90s, so yeah, this makes sense. Clue number two. I was drafted in the sixth round of the 1999 NFL draft by the Cincinnati Bengals after an all Big 12 season at Oklahoma in 1998, where I recorded 117 tackles, including a Big 12 leading and still standing Sooner record of 24 tackles for loss. I was signed to the Ravens practice squad in September of 2000, earning a Super Bowl ring even though I wasn't on the active roster. Don't worry, it gets easier. (laughs) Go back to the high school wrestling uh, stats and, and numbers. I became a linchpin in Baltimore's defense starting in 2002, missing only two games across eight seasons from 2002 to 2010, not including 2008, where I missed the whole season due to injury. And this is the clue that will probably help you. The era makes sense. Yeah, continue. Yeah, before I say the wrong thing. Other Ravens players who wore the number I wore for most of my time with the Ravens is my favorite clue of all time. Include Timmy Jernigan and Arthur Jones. Yeah. I Yeah. Okay. I think so. All right. I That's so. the random Raven there. I, I, I tried to make it a little more vague because he is a, is a pretty well-known random Raven. Um, I have another bonus clue here for you, too. I was named in 2006 to USA Today's all-Joe team for the underappreciated <laughs> players in the league, which are some of my favorites. Who is Joe Flacco? Yeah, close. Oh, okay. He came in the league in 2008. Okay. <laughs> Could you imagine Joe Flacco wrestling? That's that's something I don't see. I don't see him doing ever. I have a hunch. I think I think I got it. It's it's concerning to me that of all those clues, it was the wrestling one that actually stood out the most. It I was something the they love bringing up, though. Right, right. Uh, did you know that um, Justin Tucker is an opera singer? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Things that announcers love bringing up. I've usually. seen the Royal Farms commercials. All right, well, we're going to let that uh, marinate for a little bit, and then we'll have the listener and, and myself take a stab at it at the end of the end of the episode. But for now, we got to preview yet another game, seemingly never-ending, where the Ravens play a tough opponent with a really good record, and it's the Ravens traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills, who are now 9-3. and three. The quietest 9-3 and three I've ever heard, I think, in the NFL. And I'm not concerned at all. And and I'm scared that I'm not concerned at all. Am I? Should I be scared, Tim? Let's start with a question here. I mean, should I be concerned? 
of course, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, so you should be a little concerned. I think the only, uh, legitimately, I think one of the main concerns is that this is in Buffalo, one of the best atmospheres in the National Football League. And do not tell me that home field advantage doesn't mean anything because it does. Um, and this, and the only other reason you should be concerned is this Bills team is good. This is not. Everybody said, oh, when they were what five and two or whatever, they had a really really good record. It was kind of like Pat's light, where it's like. They hadn't played anybody. I said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Antonio said that because he disrespected the Bills' I don't name. understand it yet. You know, they have a little bit of that cupcake schedule with the AFC East, uh, including the Jets and Dolphins. But I, I really like this Bills team. I think Josh Allen has taken a step. I think he is the second best quarterback out of that 2018 class that included Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and the MVP, Lamar Jackson. Uh, yeah, feels so good. And... I think he's not quite there yet. I think he. this is a game where the Ravens could force him into some turnovers. Marcus Peters, where are you at? I think he's one of those type of games. Um, and the Bills defense. I, I really think the Bills defense has been pretty good. They are third in both passing and total yards allowed per game at 195 and 300 respectively. But they're 15th in run yards per game, allowing an average of 104 yards per there's a lot of teams that the Ravens have played before where there's or there's a beautiful little stat where it's like the Texans entered the day as the fifth best rush defense and uh, left it at 15. So if they're already at 15, I think the Ravens can definitely do some damage on the ground. Um, another guy to watch out for, a guy I like watching their running back, the Bills, Devin Singletary, third in the league in yards per rush at 5.6 uh, average per carry. You'll never guess who's first. That would be Lamar Jackson at 7.0. I'm looking at this this Bills team. I'm going to go back to what I said six weeks ago that they're not that good now. I'm looking through the wins. They just scream to me a team that takes care of business. They beat the teams they should beat, and they've lost to the better teams that they've faced, quite frankly. But they're, they haven't played a team like the Ravens, frankly, all season. Uh, and, and that's why I think I'm confident. I like this team. I like uh, Josh Allen. Me too. Uh, I like Josh Allen. He's getting better and better. I, I think I saw that one play on on Turkey Day where he like grabbed the fumble and then dove for the first down anyway, which I haven't seen any quarterback ever do. They Whenever they fumble a snap, they freak out like they've lost gold or a diamond into a well and they just dive down to grab it. He picked it up and, and dove forward for the first down. He's got a strong arm. He's getting better and better at making the all the throws let's say not just connecting on that 40 yard bomb downfield he can throw ropes o- across the middle uh this could be the the smoky john brown uh revenge game uh ex raven from last season where josh allen just ends up hitting on a few too many 17 18 yard completions than i'd like to see in a game but on the whole i'm looking at this 9 and 3 team and their best win is against the Titans. They beat the Titans 14-7 in a game Marcus Mariota was the quarterback. They beat the Cowboys last week. Do you have the schedule in, in front yeah, of you? Yeah, I do. Can so, you pick a better win than that off their schedule? I mean, their wins are at Jets, at Giants, versus Bengals, at Titans, versus Dolphins, versus Redskins, at Dolphins, versus Broncos, at Cowboys. It's so not good. Yeah, you're, you're very right about that. And they lost to the Pats. They lost at the Browns and they lost to the Eagles. And those are the three of maybe if you had to rank the opponents, those would be three of the top four opponents that they've played. And they lost to to three of them. 
Yeah, look, I'm I'm not worried about this game entirely. I'm not sitting here shaking in my boots or anything like that. But this is a game where you talk about handling your business. Ravens, go in and handle your business because there'll be a little bit of, oh, they're nine and three. You'll get the Bills Mafia. You'll get the ketchup mustard guy. Have you ever seen the videos? They literally just spray this guy with condiments. I don't understand it, but it gets them all hyped up. They're going to be throwing each other through tables. They're going to be ready for this because you're the best team in the NFL. Go into that hostile environment. Take care of business. Don't make mistakes, run the ball, run the RPO effectively, as we've been talking about, as we kind of talked about at the beginning of this podcast, and this should be a relatively easy victory for the Baltimore Ravens. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, Let's get uh, Jace's take. Jace, what are your thoughts on the Buffalo Bills-Ravens game? This week presents a really interesting challenge for the Ravens. Um, The Buffalo Bills uh, are a 9-3 football team. Now, I think even with that impressive victory by them on Thanksgiving Day, I'm sure, you know, the discourse out of that was more LOL Cowboys. But the Bills were really good. And the Bills are clearly a really good team. They're 9-3. and three. They seem like a lock for the playoffs. Um, so it'll be a real measuring stick. And unlike this past week where we saw the Ravens hosting the 49ers, who admittedly a step above the Bills, the Bills kind of in many ways, 49ers like great defense. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say Josh Allen's quite as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think the gap is as big as we might perceive it. Allen, um, to this point, I think, is certainly uh, proving to be the second-best quarterback selected in the 2018 first round. Shout-out Lamar Jackson. Um, But I think that going on the road after an emotional win um, against a good defense and – Really, a Buffalo crowd, you know, we talk about Bill, hashtag Bill's Mafia a lot, and this might be one of the most fired up, um, you know, stadiums the Ravens have seen in quite some time. I mean, the Bills haven't been this good. Um, I was reading this is their first 9-3 uh, and three start since uh, Jim Kelly was still on the team. So uh, we're going back to the glory days of the Bills, basically, in terms of how good they are right now. And um, I think – It'll just be a good test. Um, You know, go on the road, another 1 p.m. game. Can you still get up for it after uh, you beat uh, what many people assume might be the best team in the NFL? And, you know, the Niners certainly gave the Ravens all they could handle on Sunday. And in many ways, we're even better than them. But um, all all that being said, the crosshairs are now on the Ravens. They're the number one team in the AFC. And I think they're focused enough. that they're not going to be, you know, overlooking Buffalo. This is a good team, um, a team they might even see in the playoffs. Um, and I think they know, especially with the Patriots playing the Chiefs this week, that they have a real chance um, to maybe even create some separation atop the, uh, the conference. Um, so I think they come out. I think they play well. Um, I think the Niners are excellent, and I think uh, the Bills just a step down a little bit from that on defense. And I think uh, the Ravens' um, passing game is probably going to find its stride a little more. So I am going to say that the Ravens cover this game and win, let's say, 27-17. So Jace feeling confident. I'm feeling confident. Jace gave his pick, uh, 27-17. I sort of like where he's at. I'm actually going to have the Ravens scoring a little bit more than that. I think they go back to their dominant ways they're not going to give up six only six points uh this week but 
Ravens are listed as five and a half point favorites on the road, which I love to see because that's a lot of confidence in, in that team. They've beaten everybody. They've beaten everybody week in, week out. I'm going to keep picking them until they let me down. Granted, they did not cover uh, the San Francisco spread. That was six points, uh, and they won in what ended up being a nail-biter. But this team is not the 49ers. Uh, I I love this five-and-a-half line. I'm taking the Ravens to cover. I'm looking more at at like a 30-to-20 kind of situation, 34 to 17 situation and I and I think it's pretty comfortable. And if they get that lead early and force Josh Rosen into a pass only mode, that's when I think we're going to have some some strong effect against him. Well, Josh Rosen throwing the ball would be interesting. Josh, Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same I get it. It's, they came in right in the same draft class It's difficult. Yeah, you you say 30-20, I as you were saying that I wrote down uh the Ravens scored 33 points per game. Almost 34 is their average. I'm going to go 31 20. Um, you know, the bang, or excuse me, the Bills only allow 15.7 points per game, but they haven't faced the Baltimore Ravens yet. I think that leans more in the Ravens' favor. And I think our defense has enough to slow them down to the, to the amount they need to slow them down. I think John Smokey Brown, like you mentioned, shouts out to him, by the way, 61 catches, 882 yards, and five touchdowns this year. Uh, kind of a revelation for the Bills. Good for him. Um, Never really found his footing in Baltimore, but I'm going to go 31-20 for the Baltimore Ravens at minus minus five and a half, as you spoke about. And real quickly, just to get my picks out of the way here, I didn't really didn't like a lot of these lines. I don't know why. Nothing really grabbed me, but I'm going to go Seattle minus two and a half away to the Rams. Uh, Seattle is simply better than the Rams, and only minus two and a half seems ridiculous to I, me. I think that line is suffering from recency bias for that Rams just blowout win that they have. I, I agree with you. I love that pick. Yeah, and it could change based on, again, as we're recording, the Seahawks are playing. But at the moment, it's minus two and a half, so give me that. And uh, be, in honor of Jace Evans, who isn't here, just give me Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, home to Washington, minus 13 and a half. Yeah, they're going to beat them by more than two touchdowns. And uh, that might effectively end what slim hopes the Redskins had of maybe pulling out the NFC East. I don't, I don't mind that pick. I, I'm wary of this game for some reason. I'm wary of this being the, like, Green Bay doesn't put them away and, and they end up getting that garbage touchdown to where they lose the game by only 13 points. A couple of picks that I have in here. Uh, I've been saying it for weeks. So I, I guess I might as well just keep doubling down on this. Kansas City is New England's next big foe. Kansas City going into New England is getting three points. I love that they're getting these three points. This is going to be a close game. I don't think New England can score with Kansas City. Yes, the Chiefs' defense is pretty bad, and the Pats are going to have more success on offense than they have in other weeks. But Kansas City is going to score in this game, and if this score gets into the 28-30-32 range, I do not think the Pats are going to have enough to keep up. Love Kansas City at plus three against the Pats. And then this one. I don't understand this line. I actually love this pick. Uh, this is my uh, my lock uh, my lock of the week, which I haven't had any locks all season. Lock it up. Pittsburgh, two and a half point favorites going to Arizona. Arizona's not good. We're twelve games in now. I think they're three eight and one, and Pittsburgh just takes care of things. And you're telling me they're not winning this game by a field goal. I love two and a half. I love that half a point uh, that Pittsburgh's getting, frankly, because this game should have been 
three or four to me, but it's two and a half. Pittsburgh at the Cardinals. Lock that one up. Any final thoughts, Tim, before we close things uh, close things down here? I mean, just simply before we get to the random Raven here, just do your job, Ravens. Sir, this is this is one of those things where some hot take artist is going to get in here and say, well, here's how the Buffalo Bills at nine and three can really upset the Baltimore Ravens. You are now the number one seed. Show the nation why you're the number one seed. Don't don't fall and trip over your cleats now that you're in the pole position. You control your destiny in the playoffs. The Super Bowl can go through Baltimore if you want it to. Do Tim, not give that up. Tim, that's a, f- a fantastic point. The Ravens have never been here as a franchise. They have never been the number one seed. They've never been like on the mountaintop in the regular season. Let's see how cocky you get now that you have this position. They've been, had swagger all year in a good way. Uh, but now you're up there. Now you got to keep it. You're no longer chasing anything. You're you're maintaining the status that you've earned. They haven't seemed like the type of team that's going to let up. Um, but prove it. Prove it in a tough game on the road in what's probably going to be a cold environment. All right. So I'm going to let you read off these these clues one more time for the random Raven. I'm going to stick to the really the one name that I've come up with. But uh, let's hear those clues one more time. All right. Real quickly. In in high school wrestling, I was a three time state champion, 93, 94, 95 in the heavyweight division. I was named wrestler of the year by the Daily Oklahoman in 1995. Drafted in the sixth round of the 99 NFL draft by the Cincinnati Bengals after an all big 12 season at Oklahoma in 1998 where I recorded 117 tackles, including a Big 12 leading and still standing Sooner record of 24 tackles for loss. Which is incredible. It's an, an, a, it's absolutely if I'm thinking of the right player. Mind-boggling stat. I was signed to the Ravens practice squad in September of 2000, earning a Super Bowl ring, even though I wasn't on the active roster. I then became a linchpin in Baltimore's defense starting in 2002, missing only two games across eight seasons from 2002 to 2010 not including 2008, where I missed the whole season due to injury. Other Ravens players who wore the number I wore for most of my time with the Ravens include Timmy Jernigan and Arthur Jones. And bonus clue, I was named to USA Today's All-Joe team in 2006. Who is my random Raven? Bonus, bonus clue, one of Tim's favorite Ravens of all time. You probably could have guessed that. So a couple of things here. The number is 97. That that I'm I'm confident in the wrestling part. I know was trying to come up with some good like bowling pins to to excuse me bowling puns to make not bowling pins bowling puns to throw out here because that's who this guy was for this defense for a long time. But guess what? Bowling balls are heavy and they're and they're tough to move out of the way. Uh, so this guy is the big. No idea he had a Super Bowl ring by the way. The big Kelly Gregg. It is Kelly Gregg. Who doesn't love them? Some Kelly Gregg. Uh, first of all, yeah, one of my favorite Ravens of all time. One time at training camp, uh, I asked for his glove when I was a little kid, and he looked at me like almost sad he couldn't give it to me because he said, if I didn't have so much tape on this, I definitely would. And I was like, oh, man, I like this guy. And just meathead in the middle. Who doesn't love that? I mean, come on. I'm off. I'm fullbacks, and I'm defensive tackles. That's what I was born and bred on. Real quickly, just to update everybody, I love doing this. Our random Ravens team at the moment, Owen Daniels, BJ Sams, Marlon Brown, TJ Hushmanzada, Edwin Mulatalo, Dewan Landry, Kerry Williams, Ovi Mahaley, Jim Leonard, Troy Smith, Musa Smith, Jamie Sharper, and Kelly 
Greg. Not a bad side. This team's though. rounding into form. Yeah, pretty we good. We had them as like a seven and nine team, but they're really coming together. We're getting getting close to eight and eight. And I just a clue for everybody out there. I'm definitely going to start picking positions that we don't have yet on this roster for my upcoming random Ravens. Fill out the random Raven roster. Cannot believe Kelly Gregg had that many tackles for loss in college. They cannot get over that, but good to hear him as a random Raven. One of the one of the best. So let's wrap it up now. Uh, that's all. That's all we have to say. Uh, we look forward to having Jace in the studio next week after the Ravens win yet another game because that's going to keep happening until I jinx it uh, one more time. But feels good. I, I've never experienced this Ravens team with this much talent, uh, this much swagger this many wins in a row it truly does and we mentioned this either last week or the week before it does feel like that 2000 team that just once they figured things out just went on a tear and they were winning and nobody was going to beat them and that's how they entered the postseason and they won three uh, four games and were the super bowl champs but we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves here we're taking it one week at a time and that starts with this buffalo bills game so for tim horsey i'm antonio barbera missing jace evans We'll see you next week on Pod Like a Raven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.